1: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
4: Obviously... Uh, Twitter or any forum is bound by the laws of the country that it operates in. Um, so, to, obviously, there, there are some limitations on free speech uh, in, in the U.S. And, and of course, uh, Twitter would have to abide by those uh, right. rules.
0: So, there will be limitations on Twitter, of course, if Elon Musk ends up uh, actually getting to buy the thing and take it over. And... Um... That's one of the things that David French was writing about in The Atlantic. Uh, He doesn't think Elon Musk can fix Twitter for a variety of reasons. But he also mentions if Musk tries to end any reasonable moderation, which he was never going to do, but. He's going to run into Gab problem, the Gab problem. I'd never even heard of Gab. Gab, for people who don't know, is an almost no moderation competitor to Twitter. The reason you've likely not heard of Gab is that there's only a very small market for truly unfettered speech online. As a general matter, people don't like to swim in sewers. Yeah, completely unfettered speech. You ha- you immediately have nothing but horrifying violence and and uh,
4: brutal sex. Yeah, and, and hateful rhetoric. and ha- I mean, and actually ha- hateful rhetoric. Right,
0: and so you, you just don't want to hang around there to make your comment about anything else. I think we all get that. It's bit of a, uh, I don't know what the proper term is, but to, to to set that up as a, that's what it's going to turn into. I don't think anybody was hoping, wanting that. I don't think Elon was wanting that. I don't think anybody's asking for that. No. The idea is that just don't have a completely one-sided uh, giant platform where something as important as the Hunter Biden laptop story, for instance, is not allowed. Where you lose your account. If you try to even talk about it, or if you try to bring up the fact that the coronavirus may have started in
4: the lab, you're you're booted off the platform. That's what nobody wants. Right. It's kind of a weird reverse of the Mott and Bailey argument uh, in that the argument isn't that there should be no moderation. The argument is that you're very, very bad at it, Twitter. Very bad. We got a note from a Twitter insider talking about how the the people in charge of this, actually firmly believe the wildest, leftiest, uh, critical theory garbage you've heard about. So um, i a
0: got much to say on that, but we've got uh, a couple more hours of show left to do. I don't want to not have time for this because it's so interesting. It's a podcast or um, um, presentation that came out years ago about the troubles Facebook ran into when they started trying to I don't like the word "censor" has so many uh, connotations to it to try to weed out stuff that they knew nobody wanted on the platform to moderate, to moderate. Elon just said there's going to be some moderation. Uh, We'll go through some of this. It's about the Facebook site integrity team when they started trying
1: to moderate on Facebook. So, the site integrity team, those 12 people at the time, they, they realized they had to start spelling out exactly what they meant.
2: Precisely. All of these people at Facebook were in charge of trying to define nudity.
1: So, I mean, yeah, the first cut
3: at it was visible male and female genitalia, and then visible female breasts. And then the question is, well, okay, how much of a breast needs to be showing before it's nude? And the thing that we landed on was if you could see essentially the nipple and
1: areola, then that's nudity. And it would have to be taken down, which theoretically, at least, would appease these protesters because, you know, now when a picture would pop up of a mother breastfeeding, as long as the child was blocking the view of the nipple and the areola, they, they could say, cool, no problem. The the protesters they refer to
0: is early in Facebook when they still only had 10 million users as opposed to half the planet. Uh, there was a giant protest out in front of the Facebook headquarters from moms who wanted to be able to tweet or uh, put post pictures on Facebook of them breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. And uh, those had been taken down because it was considered nudity and they protested. And of course, Mark Zuckerberg, the last thing he wanted to be was anything that that people on the left didn't like. So they had to start down the road of moderating. And as you heard there, it got complicated and it continues.
2: Then you start getting pictures that are women with just their babies on their chest with their breasts bare. Like, for example, maybe a baby was sleeping on the chest of a bare breasted woman and not actively breastfeeding.
3: Okay, now what? Like, is this actually breastfeeding? No, it's actually not breastfeeding. The woman is just holding the baby and she has her top off. No, but she was clearly just breastfeeding the baby.
1: Well, like well, it was before. Say, well, yeah. I would say it's sort of like kicking a soccer ball. Like, a photo of someone who has just kicked the soccer ball, you can tell the ball is in the air, but there is no contact between the foot and the ball in that moment, potentially. <laughs> so although it is a photo of someone kicking a soccer ball, they are not, in fact, kicking the soccer ball in that photo. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good And example. This, this became the procedure or the, the protocol or the approach for all these things, was we have to base it purely on what we can see in the image.
2: And so it didn't allow that to stay up under the rules because it could be too easily exploited for other types of content like nudity or pornography.
4: (laughs) Right. So So that settled it and they figured
0: it out completely. So if you had a baby in the picture, you could show your your nude body. Well, obviously, that wasn't going to fly. It goes on.
3: We got to the only way you could objectively say that the baby and the mother were engaged in breastfeeding is if the baby's lips were touching the woman's
1: nipple. So they included what you could call like an attachment clause. But as soon as they got that rule in place,
3: like you would see, you know, a 25 year old woman and a teenage looking boy, right? And like, what the hell is going on there?
2: Oh, yeah. It mm. gets really weird if you like start entering into like child age. I wasn't even going to bring that up because it's kind of gross.
3: <laughs> it's like breastfeeding porn. Is that a thing? Are there sites like do have Apparently. that? Apparently.
0: Yes, there is. And or people that liked taking advantage of it because there's a lot of trolls out there. Okay, oh, you'll allow breastfeeding. So now we got a, you know, a 19 year old boy who's latched onto the dimple of a a, a grown up woman and. Oh boy, getting <laughs> troubling. So then you got to figure out what's the right age. Okay, here we go.
1: And so this team, they realized they needed to have a nudity rule that uh, allowed for breastfeeding, but also had some kind of an age cap.
3: So, so, uh, so then we were saying,
1: okay, once you've progressed past infancy, then we believe that it's inappropriate. But then. Pictures would start popping up on their screen, and they'd be like, wait, is that an infant? Like, where's the line between infant and toddler?
3: And so the thing that we landed on was, if it looked like the child could
1: walk on his or her own, then too old. Big enough to walk. Yeah. Too big to breastfeed. Oh, that could be 18 oh, well, that's months. Like,
3: yeah, that's like a year old
1: and, in some cases. Yeah, and like the World Health Organization recommends breastfeeding until, you know, like 18 months or two years, which meant there were a lot of photos still being taken down
2: within, you know, days.
1: We uh, continuing to hear reports from people that their photographs were still being targeted.
0: In an attempt to keep pictures off of Facebook of
4: 19-year-old college dudes latched onto the nipple of some grown woman. Well, not to get off on a tangent, but you remember that one boss of mine whose uh, wife was breastfeeding her kid at like age seven, right? Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, Michael, that's how everybody reacted. The first time you saw it, it was like, wait, what? Am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Yeah, I don't know. Who am I to judge? I don't want to get too far off track here, but I just,
0: I just, I've never understood the, the enthusiasm for breastfeeding in public. Sure, you should be allowed. It's perfectly natural. I don't re- recoil in horror or think it's awful if my kids see it or anything like that. But I don't personally know. Well, I know a couple of hippies who are enthusiastic about it. they They would rather do it in public, it would seem to me, than in private. But almost every other mom I've known, including the mother of my children, preferred to like be in the car or another room where there aren't. there's nobody around that's going to be looking at them. The, right. I really want to do it in public because I have the right, crowd is just all right whatever
4: you know that's funny it doesn't bother me at all in fact frequently i've approached breastfeeding women with a nice hot (laughs) cup of coffee in my hand and said hey i'd like a little milk in this do you mind (laughs) oh jeez, that's the worst thing i've ever heard but not the worst thing that's
0: ever been on facebook so they move from nudity to other stuff like violence
1: and so this small team at Facebook got a little bigger and bigger, jumped up to 60 people and then 100, and they set out to create rules and definitions for everything. Huh. Can we go through some of sort of the ridiculous examples? Yes, let That's why we're here. Okay. So gore. Gore. You mean violence kind of gore? Uh, yes. So the gore standard was headline,
3: we don't allow graphic violence and gore. And then the shorthand definition they used was no insides on the outside. No guts, no blood pouring out of
1: something. Blood was a separate issue. There was uh, an excessive blood rule. They had to come up with rules about bodily fluids.
3: Semen, for example, would be allowed in like a clinical setting. But like, what does a clinical setting mean? Mm-hmm. And you know, does that mean if someone is in a lab coat?
0: Oh wow! Yes,
4: I'm on the uh, the mucus subcommittee of the Facebook Gore Patrol.
1: <laughs> and then one more category, and we can discuss. And so from then on, as they run into problems...
2: Those rules just constantly get updated.
1: With constant amendments.
2: Yeah, constant amendments.
1: New problem, new rule. Another new problem, updated rule. In fact, at this point, they, they're amending these rules up to 20 times a month. Wow! Really? Yeah. Take for example those rules about breastfeeding. In 2013, they removed the attachment clause, so the baby no longer needed to have its mouth physically touching the nipple of the woman. Oh! And in fact, uh, one nipple and/or areola could be visible in the photo. No, oh, but not two. For, well, for, for obvious, obvious is reasons. Two is
0: too <laughs> much. For obvious reasons. <laughs> Right. So if you want to listen to that whole thing it's fascinating and we have the whole thing at our website armstrongandgetty.com. At the very beginning they point out that so Mark Zuckerberg because as as I always say this doesn't this isn't talked about enough. It was a freaking accident that he ended up a billionaire. So he had no plan for all of this obviously. Um uh, so they assembled a team of just like a few people when they realized oh the, well they had the breastfeeding uh, uh, protesters outside their gates. And, oh, no, we've get, we're getting national controversy for being mean to moms who want to breastfeed. We don't want to be that. And that's how they started down the road to this. And they they just grabbed a few people that had been there. <laughs> like it says on the podcast, they were assigned to the project because they'd been there for nine months, as opposed to the people at Facebook that had been there for nine days. So they chose these eight people to decide what should be allowed on the, And they would go through one picture at a time. And, oh. you know, as Facebook grew, it became a problem of scale, and but they needed more and more people as a, the the problems got more and more complicated. Violence. Do you allow violence? Of course you don't allow violence. What about war? You want to be able to have wars? Well, that's news. Okay, that kind of violence. What's a war? What's not a war? Blah, 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 blah. What's a crime that people should know about? What is just posting for gratuitous reasons? I don't know, but these are the problems that Elon's going to run into. I think Elon will have the, the advantage of not caring about tying himself into knots to appease every political politically correct group out there he'll have that oh advantage.
4: amen that's that's quality number one he's going to bring to it yeah but it's still a problem i like the discussion of what defines art too which is always uh you know a vexing problem for mankind but yeah so you get into that as well what if i have art depicting terrible violence uh to illustrate the the needlessness of war you know that sort of thing do what, they take that down if you, if you
0: if a guy is pardon the expression if a guy is taking a dump on a picture of putin is that art
4: It is, but I'm not going to hang it in my living room.
0: (laughs) And with that, we'll wrap up the conversation.
2: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: so the pride of the Russian fleet is at the bottom of the Black Sea which is just awesome what's it doing uh, there it, uh, it, uh, it 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 get it sunk either on its own or got sunk uh, either way it's it's not operable anymore more on what's going on in Ukraine coming up
4: couple of uh, stories from the What's Hot and Hip file, because nobody's more trendy than me. Uh, Number one, the NFT thing. Jack, I remember you were really uh, at least interested in it, right? Uh, Young Sean, our producer, uh, bought an NFT of the Lazy Ape Yacht Club or whatever. Well, I couldn't.
0: I've never been able to wrap my head around what it is or why it is. But at the same time, uh, why is... Uh, why is the original painting worth so much more than
4: a copy that looks exactly like it? So, it's always been confusing to me. And I admire the fact that you didn't want to dismiss it out of hand. I, on the other hand, dismissed it out of hand <laughs> because it's stupid. Uh, anyway, having a digital image of something and saying, oh, I own that, even though, you know, it could easily be copied, that sort of thing. Well, do you Sean remember? made thousands of dollars off of that. Yes, as people in pyramid schemes do if they're in early enough. Do you remember March 2021 when a crypto entrepreneur by the name of Sina Estavi paid $2.9 million for an NFT of the first ever tweet right. from Jack Dorsey? Right. $2.9 million. I, An well, NFT of a tweet? I see, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> well, he put the tweet up for resale on the popular NFT marketplace OpenSea last week, initially asking for $48 million. And he has received, as of Thursday, the top bid is $6,800. $6,800. And he paid almost $3 million? Almost $3 million. Whoa! Yeah. yeah. And now he's saying things like, my offer to sell was high, and not everyone could afford it. <laughs> no, no, not everyone could. Could or would. A, it's important to me who wants to buy it. I will not sell this NFT to anyone because I do not think everyone deserves this it's NFT. It's good that you have standards. Yeah, yeah. And he says, this NFT is not just a tweet. This is the Mona Lisa of the digital world. But
0: uh, as, as I said at the time, so much of this is in our mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the example of art works pretty well. I mean, if you have a reproduction of a painting that looks exactly like it, why is the original so much more magical than the... Reproduction that looks exactly like it. Or a book, a first edition book, as opposed to a second edition. It's the same words. That's the important part of the book. But the first edition is worth money, and the second edition is not.
4: Right. Would I pay more for the master tapes of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band than I would a CD of it? Yeah, of course. I'd pay an enormous amount for it. Why? Sounds the same, more mm-hmm. or less. More or less, and I'm well aware of the limitations of audio, blah, blah, blah. Please don't write me angry emails. Anyway, speaking of uh, things that are or are not very popular, Jack, you told me this, and I hadn't realized it, that in the early 20th 20th century, poetry was huge. Poetry was like rock and roll music. It was just everybody was into it. Well, poetry's
0: really been huge throughout world history. It's only now in America that it's really not that big. There have never been more... People being uh, paid to teach poetry or study poetry or whatever, and fewer people actually reading it in our nation's history
4: than now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't have time uh, to bring you the story in completion, but maybe we can squeeze it in the back half of the next half hour. When the Titanic sank, there was such an outpouring of poems about it submitted to the New York Times. The New York Times printed several increasingly abusive editorials begging the readers to stop. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> stop with the freaking Titanic poems. They did. They were begging people to stop sending them in. But they continued. They persisted. So we'll bring you that story and, uh, you know, just the, the news of the day. Oh, an update. Some uh, somewhat amusing, mostly tragic from Ukraine coming up as well. Well, and speaking of ships sinking,
0: practically on the anniversary of the Titanic, the pride of the Russian fleet has sunk. Thank God.
2: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
4: Can you tell us what happened to the cruiser Moskva? It sank, he says jokingly. This horde has invaded our country, and they think we will watch them destroy us, he says. But, of course, we will respond by all means we have. Thanks to our international partners, we have interesting tools.
0: We have interesting tools. I thought that Mm. was an interesting thing for that uh, Ukrainian commander to say. We have interesting tools. Yeah, I think there are things that are being given to the Ukrainians that aren't known about. Uh, Russia just recently warning of unpredictable consequences if the U.S. continues weapons shipments to Ukraine. All right, whatever.
4: Shut up. Shut up. My only concern is that they're going to get hold of a lot of them, uh, that Russia will, as they are now on the march once again. But, uh, yeah,
0: shut up. Well, so far, they've been in retreat so fast, they didn't have time to grab their own dead soldiers. So hopefully that will continue. Um, uh, Lots and lots of Ukrainians being killed, or have been killed, and are continuing to be killed. And we'll be killed in this future battle that's going to start any moment in the East. And uh, many of them dying in the most horrific ways. Oh, my God. I fear for Jake Tapper's mental health. As he's decided on CNN, him and Clarissa Ward have decided... We're gonna lay this out for the world, what is going on here. And I admire that. But they are really, really focusing on the worst of the stuff that the Russian soldiers have done to Ukrainians and, and laying it out for people every single day.
4: Yeah, I flipped it on a couple of days ago, I guess it was, and I was like, Wow, that's too much unrelenting horror. And I'm I don't disapprove of it or anything, but you know, I I wallow in this stuff all day and I just had to turn it off.
0: Yeah, it's rough stuff. Um
4: yeah, I think the next couple of weeks are going to be awful, and I think it's going to be. Uh, there's going to be a lot less um, cheerful joking about uh, Russian uh, ships at the bottom of the sea, and a lot more seeing towns and cities fall under their control, and 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 the Russians get what they're looking for, which is going to be tough to take. I'd from say from afar. Imagine if you're a Ukrainian.
0: Mariupol is supposed to fall any minute now. That ha- people have been saying that for weeks, but this time I think it's actually true. As uh, there are reports of upwards of a 1,000 Ukrainian soldiers surrendering to the Russians yesterday as they are just out of bullets. I mean, they can't fight anymore. They're literally out of bullets and water and food. And um, the who knows how many dead people there are in that in that city. But that is a port city that has great strategic value, and if the Russians actually do take it and can maneuver in that city the way they want to, they're going to be able to start unloading Troops and armament and supplies and a lot of the stuff that they haven't had this whole time. And uh, it will be, you know, a huge boost to them. And like Joe said,
4: if cities start falling like that, who knows how this turns out? Well, and it and, uh, turns out is an interesting phrase because... I mean there's going to be guerrilla warfare and hatred and unrest and and brutality in that part of Ukraine for generations I would imagine. I mean the Russians will try to pacify it through utter brutality, but then what's the relationships uh, what's the world's relationship with Russia? Uh, who continues to buy Russian oil at that point? Does the world just turn a blind eye and say, well, they got it. What are you going to do and forget about it? Uh, are Finland and uh and uh what was the other Sweden actually going to join NATO in spite of uh, the Russian protestations? What does that mean? Hmm. So who was it we were quoting the other day? Well, a number of folks have said it, from Ian Bremmer on, um, that uh, this is a an era of instability and uncertainty that we haven't seen since World War II.
0: Yep. It, uh, it no doubt is. There is a move by the EU to solidify in, uh, like, contract form, legislative form, that they are all committing to no more, well, I'll just read it from the New York Times. European officials are drafting the most contested measure yet to punish Moscow for its invasion of Ukraine, an embargo on Russian oil products, a move long resisted because of its enormous costs for Germany in particular, and its potential to disrupt politics around the region and increase energy prices. But the growing consensus around a step previously seen as politically untenable, underscores the extent to which Russia's invasion of Ukraine has unified the world's biggest trading bloc against Russian aggression. It would need to be approved by the European Union's 27 member countries to go into effect, but they're thinking now that it will happen. Their brutality has reached the level that all 27 countries are going to sign on to this embargo of Russian oil products. It's got a future date on it so that Germany can ah. rework their system because otherwise they would be I mean, this is true. They 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 uh, stupidly, moronically allowed their own government to set up a system where they're dependent on an evil country. But they are, and it'll take a little while to
4: figure that out. Yeah, do you know what the uh, timetable is? I know. They're still uh, wrangling on that. It's got to be years. I mean, I was reading about how uh, German business leaders, and they're quite right, are saying, hey, look, this is going to devastate the economy, uh, cause prices to go through the roof. You're going to see massive unemployment, that sort of thing. Um, And it's true. It's incredibly uncomfortable, but it's true. Ian Bremmer
0: doesn't seem to think it'd be years. It's going to be more like months, and that the German people are willing to suffer some pretty bad consequences for that because the population
4: is really with defending Ukraine. The government might not be, but the people are. Uh, Yeah, but I I agree. And I'm not trying to be a naysayer on this. I'm just trying to be realistic that the the great math of political unrest is amount of suffering times uh, duration of suffering. And uh, sometimes that sort of thing gets worse and worse, too. And it'll just it'll be interesting and I'm sure troubling to see it unfold. You know, I'm reminded of uh, we've been talking about Elon Musk taking over Twitter a fair amount today. And the one knock on Elon, because I admire him a great deal. I think he's a fascinating guy and, and also stupidly hilarious. Um is he is, and will probably be in the future, one of the leading warriors to not decouple from China. He is doubling and tripling down on manufacturing in China, relationships with the Chinese government. He will not say a discouraging word, as the old song goes, about the Chinese Communist Party. Um, and 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 he plays a role very much like the uh, big business people in Germany who've been saying, look, Russia's got all sorts of oil. They're selling it to us at great prices. We can get a pipeline directly from them. We'd be fools not to, uh, not to do business with them. And now they've got themselves in a hell of a bind. And I, I think we're looking at a similar bind in the months and years ahead with China. Um, I mean, because you can picture, Jack. I know you can pretty easily. Oh, that reminds me. Should have been mentioning this anyway. We did a really good, in my opinion, extra large podcast with Robert Spalding. He's a retired Air Force Brigadier General uh, about his book War Without Rules, China's Playbook for Global Domination. So I know we can both easily picture something where China does something as loathsome and horrific as Russia is doing in Ukraine right now, and then all of a sudden we're having a conversation like Germany's having right now. Uh, if we decouple from China, there will be massive unemployment and the, uh, the economy will plunge.
0: So the sinking of their flagship there, the Russians losing their ship, how is Putin going to react to that?
3: Underneath the celebration here in Ukraine, there is real concern about how and when and at what scale Vladimir Putin may retaliate for this apparent humiliation out on the Black Sea. One of President Zelensky's advisors warning that Russia is likely to respond. And there were reports of airstrikes around Kiev last night. One Ukrainian MP suggesting that could be just the beginning of Putin's response here.
0: I think that's an interesting angle that that reporter took uh, on the ground there for NBC, Russia's doing the worst things to Ukraine that we've seen in like 75 years in the world, certainly in Europe. And so there's concern now he's really mad. I mean, they're raping old women and murdering children. So now he's really mad. And so what's the alternative? Don't sink
4: their ships. I mean, I just don't even understand the point of this conversation. I agree. That was just odd. Putin's mad now, so he heaved some shells at Kyiv. Yeah, we
0: we know. Yeah. All day, every day, he's trying to kill every Ukrainian in the country. That's his goal. So, yeah. Right, right. I, I wonder if there's another gear, another level the world is about to go to as they watch the Russians just pound the east.
4: Well, I don't think, honestly, and this is dark, forgive me if you're an optimist and you don't want to hear this, but I don't think there's any preventing uh, Russia uh, accomplishing most of their goals in terms of seizing the east and the south of Ukraine and holding them um i i just think at this point we waited way too long to unleash the true holy hell that would take it to take to to prevent it for you know probably good reasons depending on who you ask i, I think the next couple of years going forward it's all going to be about exacting uh punishment and costs on on uh, russia uh including what we were talking about cutting off their oil their their coal supplies although they'll sell to you know china and the the third world probably including our good friends india um so I just I think it's going to be about punishment for the next several years.
0: So you think Russia grabs the, the eastern chunk and the southern part and then there's a line somewhere that they're battling over for the next, as General Milley said last week, I don't think this will be measured in decades, decades, but certainly years, maybe not decades. So for maybe the next 10 years, they're lobbing shells and shooting each other there on the border like they have been for the last 14 years, by
4: the way, yeah. and nobody was paying any attention. Well, absolutely. And there will be suicide bombers and uh, and you know, uh, attackers of various descriptions who will try to exact revenge for the, probably the rest of our lives. Hm, interesting.
0: Yeah, that could be the uh not very satisfying to anybody kind
4: of ending to this. R- right. And again, that's that's I I don't see how that isn't the outcome unless something huge changes.
0: Right. Actual use of uh, tactical nukes or chemical weapons or something. I don't know.
4: Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it would take to motivate NATO to get involved now. And without NATO's involvement, the Ukrainians don't have much of a chance, I don't think. It's just a question of time. It's like I was saying the other day, uh, if you are vastly overwhelmed in numbers, uh, even if you're not as good fighters, even if your tanks suck, even if your, your flagship is at the bottom of the sea, eventually you will be worn down. It's just a math game. But if
0: you've lost 10 generals and your prized ship, surely that's gotten his attention.
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. You know, I was reading, uh, I guess it was Thomas Friedman talking about the only way Putin gets booted out of power is if the vaunted Russian military is tired of being humiliated because of his bad management um, and and or they get word, uh, the elite of the military, that he's coming for them, that he's going to have a giant purge and throw them all in prison because he'll blame them for the humiliation, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. They might band together and say, all right, hey, uh, we got to hang together or we'll hang separately, as uh, Ben Franklin put it. And they heave Putin out. I mean, that's virtually the only chance they have. But he purged the FSB. His own intelligence. That's his most loyal cadre of supporters are in the intelligence services. And he threw like 150 of them out and put a bunch of them in jail. So I just I wonder. He's got seriously strong control of the, the country. But I just wonder how strong it is right now behind the scenes.
0: Well. As we learned in the um, Arab Spring, you have no idea until the moment it happens. It seems impossible until it seems very possible. And that might be in a week or a month or ten years. You never can tell, apparently, from the outside when a regime is about to fall.
4: Well, and as Friedman also pointed out, keep in mind, it could be replaced by something worse. Sometimes that happens. Got
0: a trans doctor who has been helping teens transition, who says it's now gone too far, and an op-ed in the New York Times that says it's gone too far. I wonder how the New York Times newsroom is reacting to that publication. But So there's some movement on that issue, among a bunch of other things we can talk about. Stay with us.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
3: The Armstrong and Getty Shows. I a million times over because at least I know that my chain of command has my back. Because I, I was also beat in the back of my head back in February of 2021 by a student. I and mean, I was also sexually harassed by a student, you know, who was also putting their hands on me and everything. And it took the school about two and a half months to get the student out of my classroom. I doubt that I will probably for a very long time step my foot back in a school in general. I'm terrified.
0: That was a guy who's done both answering the question would you rather be in Iraq or a teacher.
4: There is a crisis in American education and I don't think people are willing to talk about it yet, at least not on the left side of the aisle, not in the mainstream media side.
0: Well, I'll mention I just got a text from someone who is related to a teacher at a school. New low. This text came to me. Kids had a fight at school. 300 people saw it. The administration told teachers the fight didn't happen. Ignore the video. Please report anyone who's got a video of the fight.
4: Wow, there you go. Trying to cover it up. Yeah, yeah, because because, they can't punish anybody because they'll get in trouble with the state for, you know, if any kids of color are involved. It's that weird restorative justice thing that is uh, crazy because I've seen it in action. It's crazy. Yeah, and it yielded the uh, Florida shooter, by the way, the uh, Parkland, Florida shooter. So, anyway, uh, on a considerably lighter note, the sinking of the Titanic, which actually happened on today's date, nineteen twelve, which I had no idea. That's probably why the New York Times is printing the following story.
0: Maybe that's uh, what I'll do tonight: is I will, uh, I'll watch Titanic, cuddled up on the couch by myself, the little thing of ice cream.
4: That's one idea. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> You know how to enjoy a Friday night. Anyway, so uh, the New York Times, as part of their coverage of Poetry Month, National Poetry Month, does poetry need a whole month? Well, it gets one. Uh, they, they wrote an article about it. We talked about this a bit earlier. There was a, poetry was huge in the United States in uh, much of the 20th century. And shortly after the Titanic sank, on April the 15th, readers began sending into the New York Times poems they had written about the tragedy. By the hundreds, three days later, the paper issued the following statement. Far, far is it from our wish or intention to hurt anybody's feelings, but we do wish to state very, very gently that one of the most difficult tasks a real poet experienced and skilled in the practice of his art could undertake would be to write an adequate and fitting poem on the loss of the Titanic. In other words, please stop sending us the poems you're writing about the Titanic. One
0: of the problems with poems is anybody can do it. Very, very few people can do
4: it well, but anybody can do it. Our friend Tim Sandifer is out with a new book of poetry. Right? It's actually uh, quite, uh, quite uh, good as far as I can tell. I have tried as hard as I can to get poetry, and I barely get poetry. I feel like I should, but I'm not really into it.
0: Yeah, I started subscribing to a poetry magazine because I got into poetry in the last year, and, and one of the best things I've, I've learned is that not understanding it is part of the whole poetry thing. Hmm. So I used to just start it and think, well, I'm obviously too stupid for this, and I'd give up. But struggling to understand it is is is
4: what it's supposed to be. Well, I'm glad that's not one of the principles of engineering, or there'd be a lot more cars <laughs> plunging off of bridges, for instance. But anyway,
0: Some of the most famous poems ever written, people still argue to this day over what they meant. No, it didn't mean that, you idiot. It means this, so...
4: That's, that's the way it works. So, anyway, the New York Times publishes this uh, editorial saying, please stop sending us your stupid, crappy uh, Titanic poems. <laughs> <clears throat> but readers were not dissuaded. On April 30th, the paper adopted a sterner tone. And in an editorial headlined, only poets should write verse... <laughs> It began in spite of our gentle hint the other day that more people were sending to this office verses on the Titanic than were qualified as poets. The flood of these contributions continues. It does seem time to say again that to write about the Titanic, a poem worth printing requires more than a paper, a pencil, and a strong feeling that the disaster was a terrible <laughs> one. <clears throat> That's hilarious. And then in May, for some reason, the Times actually printed on page one a new poem by Thomas Hardy about the mm. tragedy. And that unleashed another flood of listener hacks at writing a Titanic poem to the point that the Times just begged them to please stop. I don't know why they couldn't just throw them in the fireplace. but have some of that Thomas Hardy poem, and I was hoping I'd have time to read some of it for you, but what's really funny about it is after they ran that and they got a new flood of dopey poems from, from readers, uh, they pu- they published a review of the poem they'd published themselves and said, look, Thomas Hardy's one of the great poets of our time, and his poem sucks. Right? His poem about the Titanic sucks. Stop writing poems about the Titanic. <laughs> That's hilarious. I know. I know. It's so funny. Oh, boy. So if I ever get tired of reading angry, idiotic emails or texts or whatever, I'll think of this and chuckle.
0: The Titanic was a boat and it sunk. It really put me in a funk. I'm just starting. <laughs> I'm just starting. I'll go from there.
4: A strong opening.
2: <laughs> Armstrong and Getty.
4: Step into the world of power.
0: Loyalty. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at Chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
2: VTW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one. One of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage LLC NMLS 461249 Equal Housing Lender.
4: com.